You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here in DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus Bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Filato, and today we are going to be recapping the uh, film and taking a look back at some of the things that we noticed from the Kansas City Chiefs victory over the New York Giants 20, 20 to 17 in week eight. We're also going to hit on the lack of movement at the trade deadline. Uh, before we do, though, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our great content on our audio feed. So, Nick, uh, we didn't get any moves at the trade deadline for the Giants. Uh, Joe Judge was quoted saying we're good with just moving on with business as usual. Thinks that the lack of trades is a, a best decision for this team long term. And I, I've, I gotta be honest, I find that a little hard to believe. Sitting at two and six, this Giants team is is making no decisions to move on from players that are underperforming. You'd have to wonder if they could have maybe tried to do something with Evan Ingram. There was absolutely no buzz surrounding the possibility of that even happening. Um, but here we are, yet again, another trade deadline, no impactful trades made when the Giants are in a position to maybe acquire some picks or some young players. It has to be Evan Ingram, right? Like, Who else would he be referring to now that Jabril Peppers is out with injury and Evan Ingram is the player who is on an expiring contract? Giants picked up his fifth-year option. And if you look around the NFL right now, there are plenty of teams who could use a player like Evan Ingram. And I know Giant fans don't like the prospects of Evan Ingram as an NFL tight end, but look at Green Bay, man. They just lost big Bobby Tunyon for the year with that torn ACL. I think Evan Ingram with Aaron Rodgers would have been a lot of fun to watch. And I was kind of rooting for the trade, not because I personally do not like Evan Ingram. I think Evan Ingram has been underutilized. I don't think he's a great football player. I think he's much more of an athlete than he is a football player. And I don't like saying that because I know he's somebody who tries hard. He, he puts 100% of his effort into all of his blocks, but he's just not 
that great of a football player. He's not consistent enough. And he definitely, as I said earlier, has been underutilized. But him with Green Bay would have been a lot of fun to watch. And it would have been heartbreaking, too, if he ended up going to the playoffs and making huge plays for the Packers. Would have been uh, devastating. But not moving on not moving on from him is curious, and it makes me feel like – I know the Giants are in some real cap hell next year in 2022 because all of the decisions they made in 2021. Is Evan Ingram a part of the long-term plans? Like, that's, that's what it might suggest right. – Right. And, th- and that's what uh, I'm a bit perplexed by because he's talking about long-term decisions. If you don't try to trade him and get some picks for him, which is, I, I would think, any team in this circumstance where an underwhelming player on their, their final year of their contract, you'd think you'd try to get like a late-run pick. There, there definitely would be interest. The guy's a good athlete, and he hasn't really done much this year. But th- that's what I'm kind of thinking here is, is Evan Ingram possibly intended to be brought back this offseason? Or is it maybe also they don't want Dave Gettleman making the decision on that on that potential trade? Yeah, I'm a little curious about it as well, Joe. I'm not 100% certain, but it makes me look at just the the tight end position right now for the New York Giants. Look, Levine Toilolo tore his, uh, what was it, his Achilles, I believe, yeah. in, the, in the beginning of the season. He was done, right? You have Kyle Rudolph, who... You know, bless Kyle Rudolph. He caught a touchdown pass in this game against Kansas City Chiefs, but the guy is very slow. He's very unathletic. And he might be here next year. He's under contract, but it's not certain that he will be retained. But you look at the tight end position, all you have is Caden Smith, who was a 2019 draft selection by the San Francisco 49ers that the Giants ended up claiming off of their practice squad. So he only has another year left as well on his contract. There's not a long-term solution at the tight end position beyond next season. And I'm wondering if the Giants think they could sign Evan Ingram to a low-cost, maybe two- or three-year deal and bring him back. I don't know how they're going to be able to make that work. And it's very unfortunate that somebody like Jabril Peppers ended up tearing his ACL because we suspected that he might have been until recent weeks he might have been in the long-term plans for the New York Giants now that's up in the air as well but as for Evan Ingram if he just walks in free agency and signs a solid deal and the Giants could have gotten you know a fifth a five and a seven form or maybe even a four form depending on the team that's just a that's just bad management right there this team is out of it right now they are they're two and six and I get it they're looking at the seventh wild card seed and they're like yo you know the Vikings are, are a team that's in contention for that, and they're not all that great. There are The Eagles are in contention, and they're not all that great. We can get there. It's like the Giants have botched three or four wins, and I get it, man. We're making a lot of excuses for this team. It's like, well, if this happened, and it's the same thing as last year, Joe. If this happened, if that happened, then they would have won the game. How many times are we going to sit here and make those excuses for this coaching staff? Yeah, and I think today we're, we're, we're probably not going to be doing that as much. I think today's probably one of the more realistic shows that we're going to be we're going to be doing instead of like you're saying we, we do make a lot of excuses but it's it's come to this point where it's it's like what's what's the point here but the it's, to wrap the Evan Ingram discussion and you're talking about how they're looking at that that seventh wild card spot and it's still a possibility they're not mathematically taken out of it with the two wins that they have and the teams that they're competing with but it's not like Evan Ingram's having a career year right now he's not even being used so I, I don't really it's it's not like they're saying like oh we want to tap into that the guy hasn't done anything they're not using him so Go let somebody else play with them. I, I don't. I don't get it. It just it, it's it comes, frustrating. It comes down to the opportunity and, and the snap share. I mean, Evan Ingram still has a large snap share. He plays the most tight end snaps. And Jason Garrett likes to run a lot of twelve personnel, sometimes thirteen personnel. Even though they haven't been doing that as much this season as they did last year. So I think they just value Evan Ingram and they value his work habit and all of that. We've heard Joe Judge praise him for all of those things. 
But it's going to be frustrating, man, come next free agency when he walks and the Giants don't get really anything from him because he's probably not going to sign a big contract. So the compensatory pick that they're going to get from him may not even be something that they could have acquired for a tight end desperate team like the Packers. Although I don't know if the Packers were actually engaged in talks with them, but I would imagine that would be something that would entice them given their current situation with big Bobby Tanya. Yeah, certainly another missed opportunity uh, with a player that we we seemingly have been talking about as being traded for the past couple of years. But Giants missed out on the chance to do anything, and and we'll end up seeing the net results of this come the end of the season, and if it actually uh, provides any, anything for them. So we're also going to talk about this Chiefs game, and we're going to break it up into uh, offense and defense like we typically do. For me, Nick, I I, I was very very frustrated watching this Giants offense. And I have to say afterwards, the one thing that I take away, and we could probably break it down a little bit further than this, but to only score 17 points is to, uh, against one of these statistically worst defenses in the NFL, uh, a team that was allowing a ton of big plays that was getting gashed by their opponents, understandably playing some good teams, but to only put up 17 points against this defense that has played horribly throughout the start of the season up until the midway point is it, it it's perplexing at the, uh, like I, I can't even really necessarily point out what was the issue, but here we are yet again, no offensive production in a game where you would at least hope for some offensive production more than 17 points. Absolutely. And there's a lot of mistakes, man. There's a lot of mistakes, Joe. I mean, the first pass of the game was an interception where Daniel Jones just locked onto the stick route, saw the outside leverage of the cornerback and didn't even account for that weak side linebacker, Willie Gay, who undercut the pass. And that was basically just gifting an offensive mistake by Patrick Mahomes right back to them, leading to the first touchdown. And it's not like the Chiefs really did anything to win this game. They were literally hot potatoing these two teams, were hot potatoing this win between each other because the Chiefs were as undisciplined as the Giants were, even more. I mean, the Giants had, what, 10 penalties for 88 yards. One was a bogus face mask penalty. I get that, but they just kept shooting themselves in the foot with just taunting penalties, man. You take two taunting Mm -hmm. penalties, what the heck is wrong with you? I mean, this team is supposed (laughs) to be the disciplined team, the fundamentally based team. That's what Joe Judge preaches, and they're not living up to that whatsoever, and they do not capitalize on certain situations, and they're very, very conservative, and I like the fact that they went for it on fourth and one to get their first touchdown, the pass to Kyle Rudolph, but then they had a third and four. They run a sprint out to the right. Sterling Shepard doesn't get the necessary depth to get to the four yard mark, which is what he needed for a first down. He gets two yards and the Giants end up kicking a field goal at the five yard line. And you're not going to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs in that situation. And if you do, you need so many things to go your way. And the Giants aren't necessarily a team that has that kind of luck because you can create your own luck. And the Giants are a team that, you know, unfortunately they shoot themselves in the foot more than, you know, benefit from the fact that they put themselves into the right positions at the right time. But I will say this, man, And the defense played really, really well. But from an offensive standpoint, because that's what we are discussing right now, it's just more and more missed opportunities, man. You know, you had the drop pass by Darius Slayton. It was a bad throw. Daniel Jones missed some reads. Daniel Jones was inaccurate. And there's this whole discussion. Oh, you know, Daniel Jones, he's the franchise quarterback. I'm not so sure about that. And I... I like Daniel Jones. I think you can win with Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones needs a great environment around him. Now, do you want to build your team and allocate a huge quarterback contract to a player that needs everything around him in order for you to have success? Or do you want to go and pursue a player like a Justin Herbert or a player like I say, Patrick Mahomes, who's going through a little slump right now, somebody who can kind of win in spite of everybody else around him? And that's a whole philosophical conversation. But right now, I'm evaluating Daniel Jones from a game 
by game basis. This was a primetime game. This guy's 0-7 in primetime, and I do like Daniel Jones. I'm not saying that I'm writing him off, but to, we can't crown him the franchise quarterback because he hasn't earned that yet, in my opinion, despite the fact that there have been a lot of unfortunate, I guess you could say, uh, circumstances surrounding this team of all those injuries. I think you have to take those into account, but I always catch myself making excuses for Daniel Jones. And once I just want to I want to see more of what we saw in New Orleans. And I get that we saw that with a lot of the compliments of his weapons, weapons, but he's not doing it kind of, I don't want to say on his own. He's not rising to the occasion when it presents itself. And it presented itself last night. I mean, you are on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs are playing booty football right now. They're not playing all that well. And you are in a position to, to win this football game and you just, you don't get it done. And the offensive line doesn't help. The wide receiver injuries definitely don't help, but I just can't crown the guy yet as the, uh, as the franchise quarterback, although I'm not writing him off either. Uh, I'm intrigued by your, your takes on Daniel Jones, because uh, for anyone who's paying attention to the national landscape, they're fully aware of the big conversation that's happening right now for the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield, who is going to be up for an extension and the debate that's going on right now is why would we pay Baker Mayfield a $40 million contract if that's what he's asking for when he's like Daniel Jones, a guy that can be successful when everything around him is perfectly set up and working. But if it's not, he he's problematic. He, he's not somebody who can take a team, um, you know, into a successful situation and put your, put the team on his back, essentially like those guys that you mentioned. And right now, people are saying, like, why wouldn't they just go for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or some of these guys that might be trying to leave bad team situations to be put onto a winning roster? So here we are with Daniel Jones. The same conversation, I think, now starts to, to need to be had because they've put in the effort to build this roster. And the injuries haven't helped. The offensive line problems have not helped. They're, they're not optimal. But at a certain point, after all the money that they spend and all the draft picks they, that, that they invest on offensive players, all that stuff, you have to start to wonder, at, at what point do you just cut ties and start to say, all right, maybe we should either look ahead. Maybe we should try to make moves for one of these soon-to-be-available quarterbacks, older quarterbacks. There's a lot at play here. And, and, and I think last night, and I, I know you said you don't want to write them off yet, and I'm not trying to write them off just yet. But last night might have been that that real first indicator of we needed to to really, really dive deep and really think about uh, starting this conversation. Yes, and it's the time because you have to pick up this quarterback's fifth-year option next season. And this there was just a lot of three and outs, a lot of – I feel like the football was put, I guess I should say, into Daniel Jones' hands twice on two drives. And yes, the offensive line didn't bail him out, but he still is a little bit slow to get through his progressions and see exactly what is going on and get the football out of his hands. And he was stopped on both of those drives, one being that last drive, which when Frank Clark and Chris Jones had the opportunity to pin their ears back against that offensive line, I didn't really envision the Giants putting themselves into field goal range to tie that football game up, which did not happen. But then he also had the drive before that, that he couldn't necessarily rise to the occasion either. So it, it's disappointing. I don't think Jones is the reason they lost the game, but they also didn't win the game and Jones didn't help him in that. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of sticking up for him. And I understand there are warranted excuses that should definitely be discussed because they are real. But at the same time, this is a results oriented business. You need to win football games and the Giants have not done a good job winning football games in this Dave Gettleman era at all. And that includes Daniel Jones, sadly. Yeah, and you mentioned his 
lack of ability to process things quickly uh, for me it, it, it's it's become extremely frustrating to 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 literally notice that every single play it, it feels like in any third down situation i have a, a total lack of optimism that anything positive is going to happen in those third down situations i don't know what percentage of times that he completes passes or or converts on those those third down plays where he needs to pick up more than maybe more than five yards i don't know i have those numbers in front of me but i, I always feel like that he just doesn't have the capability to do stuff like that. He's got all the traits that you want, and that's what was talked about why he was considered to be a, a maybe a top 15 pick or just maybe a first-round pick in general in his draft class. Ends up going way higher than anybody expected. But that processing ability is something that if, if by year... Uh, he's in year three right now. You're going into year four. Uh, like At what point does he start to figure that stuff out? There's guys that like Justin Herbert that have already figured it out. Joe Burrow, that is already really close to figuring it out. These guys that are much further along that are younger than Daniel Jones, and it's it, at, at a certain point, you have to just realize that if somebody doesn't mentally get it, are they ever going to get it? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. And I will say this about Daniel Jones. I watch all these games several times. I think he has taken steps in the right direction to suggest that he still does a solid job processing pre to post snap. I feel like there has been development from year one to year two, especially year two to year three, because it was Jason Garrett's system, but it still isn't consistent enough. And he's still a bit slow sometimes. There was one play and it wasn't a huge play. It was on that uh, field goal drive and they kicked like a 23 yard field goal from a five yard line. Uh, it was an RPO and he didn't hand the ball off to Devonte Booker and he had Evan Ingram in the flat. And this is one of those plays, a bang, bang play. You read, you see if that defensive back that apex defender because it was a slant flat type of route or some, some kind of combination like that he had Evan Ingram open but he just didn't pull the trigger on it for whatever reason he just didn't throw the football and then he ends up just tucking the ball looking two ways and then kind of falling down at the line of scrimmage for technically what was considered a sack even though it was uh it wasn't like a loss of a lot of yards it wasn't a loss of any yards to be honest but why not pull the trigger in that situation I feel like he tries to do a little bit too much sometimes and it's it's something that uh that I feel like he, he definitely has to work on as a quarterback. And I don't think he's a limited quarterback. I think he, he still has some upside there, but if that processing doesn't become a more consistent part of his game, what is the ceiling? And that's what we should be asking ourselves. Cause he does have a high, uh, I don't even want to say he has a high floor necessarily. I think his floor is, we've seen it. It's not great. I mean, he has the athletic ability that you can utilize, but when he is not processing things great, he ends up throwing a lot of interceptions and he doesn't push the ball as well vertically as he necessarily could, especially if the pressure is coming down on him, which we've seen defensive coordinators really apply pressure to Daniel Jones and, and he would struggle doing those things. So I guess my question to you, man, what is the ceiling with Daniel Jones right now? And we know the floor isn't that great. So, so uh, heading into that year where you have to pick up his fifth year option, what, what, what do you think ceiling it wise? I mean, I'm at this point here where I, I, I just don't even think that... Or I agree with you. I think that his his ceiling is certainly... It, it's there. He has the traits. He's a good athlete. It's not like he's like Baker Mayfield, who's who's small. He's physically limited. Um, it takes him a while to, to accelerate and, and get moving. And he, he can actually throw off structure if he's put in those situations. But I, I just think that, that like you're talking about... It, he might never hit that ceiling despite having everything that you want physically he, because of w what we've been discussing here. He just doesn't put things together mentally for me. And he does sometimes. And I definitely do see that, that development and that progression. 
part of me also kind of wonders if you do put him in an offense that is actually designed for the year 2021 and not 1995, does that change? I, I don't, I, I'm at a point also here where I'm still debating both of those things, but both are, are clearly apparent issues. Yes. I also think those issues though are married to the offensive line. Now I think yeah. now Jason Garrett, I'm not a huge fan of his play calling, but I do believe he does design as any offensive coordinator should his game plans to hide his critical vulnerabilities. And the biggest vulnerability on this probably entire Giants team is that offensive line as currently constructed because Andrew Thomas is not there. Nick Gates is injured. Even Shane Lemieux isn't somebody who was necessarily all that great last season would be better than what they currently have. And I like Billy Price. He seems like a good guy, but he's not it at center right now. And he was just getting manhandled by Chris Jones in this game. And it's a, when you have that interior pressure, just to speak for Daniel Jones, when you have that interior pressure, it's difficult to do much. And he had a lot of interior pressure from Chris Jones coming from that three tech and that one tech position last game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, the that one play in particular where you know which one I'm thinking of, right? Where Billy Price Yeah, and, and Bill, yeah. Billy Price literally snaps the ball and I Billy Price it's like he was moving in slow motion. Chris Jones made a good play, but it's not like what he did is some unblockable thing. He fired off the ball very quickly, which which is one of his best traits is he's just he's explosive off the football. But like a competent center would, would have picked that up. It's almost like he wasn't even looking in that direction, and he completely blew up that play. That was that was terrible. I was very annoyed at that. <laughs> As was I, man. That was bad. But you want to get into some of the uh, the positives? Would be this yes. defense. Yes. Yes. I was going to take us there next. So the the defense was uh, very apparently the the strong suit in this game. Twenty points against the Chiefs Chiefs offense that has. A lot of weapons, a lot of explosive players, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, who are dominant week in and week out. To only hold them to 20 points is really, really good. And it seems like the the approach here was daring them to beat them with other players and let Patrick Mahomes do everything. Um, And Tyreek Hill had a good game, but Travis Kelsey, 27 yards on four receptions. They really locked him down. Is that kind of what you saw there, too, is that that was the approach was to to make Mahomes do a lot more than he really needs to? The approach was to play a lot of 
two high middle of the field open type of defenses. So they were in cover two. What what I saw from the film so far, and I haven't watched the entire game yet, it was a lot of cover four, some cover six. So you're having a lot of guys who are not near the line of scrimmage. So basically the Giants were like, we are going to take away your ability to attack us vertically. It's the same thing the Bills and the Ravens did earlier in the season. And we're just going to allow you to check the football down into the flat. And that's why Patrick Mahomes, I don't have the number on hand, but a lot of his passes were just completions behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage to Tyree Kill, to Daryl Williams, to players like that, because the Giants were just abandoning the flats, playing cover four and eliminating any kind of vertical crossing or any kind of vertical or crossing routes. And I feel like the Giants safeties and their defensive backs played one heck of a game, dude. They are playing with confidence. They are playing with cohesiveness. And I'm really, uh, I have a lot of respect for the way they're all playing, man. I think Darnay Holmes, who isn't a full-time player in this defense, had a really good game here. Aaron Robinson in his limited snaps did a really good job on one play, carrying Tyreek Hill upfield and then handled the double move well when Patrick Mahomes tried to extemporize, leading to, I think, Leonard Williams hitting Mahomes and Mahomes throwing the football away. So those little types of plays, they can go a long way when when these defensive backs are using the right technique and the right positioning. I thought Adoree Jackson played a great game. I thought James Bradbury was the 2020 James Bradbury. There was the one play where he almost came away with an interception. The Chiefs were in a three-by-one set. They motion. Uh, Byron Pringle from the two to the inside three, and then they run a pivot route. And that's exactly where James Bradbury was. He was at that apex defender. He wasn't out on the boundary. And the pivot route was supposed to clear out the number two's dig route. And it didn't. James Bradbury let the pivot route cross his face, kept his eyes on Mahomes. Mahomes thought he was going to clear, and he didn't. And Mahomes fired the football right into a throwing lane where James Bradbury was standing there knocking the ball down, dude. So Patrick Graham is starting to kind of rekindle the fire that we saw in 2020. And against the Chiefs, you want to ensure you don't get beat deep. They took away the deep ball and they forced just a bunch of little check downs, check downs, check downs. And they put their offense in a position to win this football game. Sadly, they could not capitalize. Yeah, it was a masterfully called game by uh, Patrick Graham. And, and you, you mentioned how he's kind of getting back into that rhythm. I think we're going to continue to see more of this. It's odd that they started off so slow, and maybe it's because opposing offenses were so prepared for spending all the time in the offseason getting ready to go against a, a good defense, and they had all that tape to go off of. But it, it does feel like he's starting to get back into that rhythm. 20 points against the Chiefs is is something to 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 applaud. That is a really, really good performance, and you broke down some of the the strategic approaches that they went after. Uh, that is really, really smart in trying to slow down this offense, the things that they did, and and kind of looking back at what other teams were able to do so successfully and use, using it to uh, to their advantage. They did also effective job. I think the big thing here is not allowing themselves to get killed by the deep ball. They, they had a lot of a number of plays that I can think of off the top of my head where they were able to knock a ball down, where it was like a one-on-one situation with Dory Jackson and Tyree Kill. Those plays are, are how you keep them under 20 points because once they start to open things up, they start killing you deep. That's how you get beat and exposed by this, this Chiefs offense. So being able to, to handle that stuff as effectively and as dominantly as they did, I think is a really, really big key reason why they, they were able to do so well defensively in this game. And we saw the chess match at work too, Joe, with Andy Reid because the Giants kept aligning in those alignments, man. And they're like, all right, yeah, you're not going to throw deep on us. So they were like, all right, here's uh, Frank Gore's great-grandson over here. We're going to run him down your throat. So they, this Derek Gore guy who's like an undrafted kid, I, I imagine. No, he's not related to Frank Gore, actually. They just <laughs> kept handing the football off, and the Giants were in that too-high shell with, a, uh, with off leverage the entire time, and the Giants just couldn't really uh, – 
couldn't really defend it all that well. And a lot of it would seem like the linebackers weren't in great position. I mean, there's no Blake Martinez there. It didn't seem like necessarily that, uh, that the defensive line was just getting bullied, but, but Trey Smith, two plays I want to go over on that drive. So it was a pin pull concept. So a power gap concept where Austin Johnson was the nose and Trey Smith being the guard to the play side, he pinned Austin Johnson and just bullied him down the line of scrimmage. And I was like, Oh wow, that, that was an unfortunate play. Well, Two plays later, wham block. A wham block is a design block where you pull one of your linemen to block an unblocked defender that was allowed upfield. So Austin Johnson was allowed to come upfield unblocked. And he's looking around like, yo, is there anybody around here? And then he just gets absolutely ear holed by, <laughs> by Trey Smith. Trey Smith's helmet flies off. Austin Johnson goes flying down and end up being a nice game for Gore. And I think they ended up scoring on the next run that they did. But the Chiefs ran the football like five times in a row on that drive. And the Giants were just kind of, uh, you know, they were so worried about the pass. They didn't account for the run mm. on that. And you know what, Gorman, he had a lot of nice cutbacks and everything like that. He was a he was impressive. And so was Devontae Booker, man. So was Devontae Booker. I thought Booker had a really good game using his vision to set up blocks. And on that 41-yard screen, or it wasn't even really a screen, that 41-yard flat pass that he caught, that was just excellent vision of him seeing where his blockers were and exploding into space. Sadly, he's not all that fast, so he didn't end up getting into the end zone. Yeah, really, really uh, interesting seeing that stuff unfold. Uh, <laughs> Trey Smith looks really freaking good, though. I think that's so disappointing. Yeah, yeah, that he fell that far. The the Giants non-committal in, in trying to uh, draft any real developmental players for the interior offensive line. And here we are watching a guy that they could have taken um, completely demolish one of the uh, sometimes defensive starters uh, that the Giants have. But I think it's a good note to wrap us up on. I know we spent a lot of time bashing Daniel Jones, but um, it was <laughs> bound to happen when you only score 17 points. <laughs> it's not bashing though, Joe. Again, like, right. like, like I said, and I don't want to speak for you, Like I still think he can be the answer, no mm-hmm. doubt, but I just don't think it's a certainty, and I think that should be everybody's... I don't want to tell other people what they should think, but right. like, what has he actually proven on a consistent level to prove that he is the guy? I don't think there is anything quite yet, and that doesn't mean that he isn't, but it doesn't mean that he mm-hmm. certainly is. And the other thing too, and I'll wrap us up after this is we're getting close to the point where we're far enough in where he'll have limited opportunities to prove himself. Like he could be very well Mitch Trubisky and on his way out and they're going to be drafting somebody else in the first round. It's it's on that trajectory, which is disappointing. Uh, I, I kind of hope not, to be honest. I want this roster to be replenished. It doesn't seem like this is a strong quarterback class, but we'll tackle that during the offseason. Yes, yes. Hopefully this isn't the year that they draft a quarterback because then they'll just be doing the same thing that they did when they drafted Jones and reaching for a guy that didn't necessarily fit. But, folks, that's going to be it from us on today's Film Breakdown show. We'll be coming at you with a Raiders preview, so stay tuned for that. Hit the subscribe button to stay up to date. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.